This is the normal computing news from the Lunduke Journal for October 26th, the year of our Lord 2022. Today we're just going to talk, as we do every Wednesday, about the normal news. The things like from Apple and Microsoft and Google and blah, 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 and Linux stuff. Stuff that's really mainstream at this point, because sometimes you just need to talk about the mainstream news. Tune in on Sunday for the weird computer news. All right, let's dive in. Apple has released their latest Mac OS update named Ventura, named after Ventura, California. Cuz remember they used to they used to name them after cats, right? They were like there was like Snowy Leopard and Cheetah and Puma and well, I can't even remember all of them. But they used to name them after cats and they they got really bored of that. Then they're like, you know what? Let's name them after mountains. Yeah, like El Capitan and whatnot. And they, they got bored of the, the mountain thing really fast. Now they name them after cities in California. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. I don't know why they do that. Anyway, this is Mac OS Ventura. Now here's something that's that's worth worth knowing and worth fully understanding because to be quite frank it, it still messes with my brain a little bit. This is not Mac OS X, right? They dropped the X because it is no longer 10. But Mac OS X only meant Mac OS 10 for part of its lifespan. So this is actually Mac OS 13. That is the official version number of Ventura is Mac OS version 13, specifically 13.0, right? Now, previously, it was Mac OS 10 and 10.0, 10.1, and those were all the X series. And 10 was, Mac OS X was version 10 up through version 10.10, 10 10.11, 10.12. It was ridiculous. There was a period of time where Apple completely forgot how... <laughs> how version numbering really worked because back in the old days back in the old days they would have like uh, uh version numbers that kind of made a certain amount of sense like they'd even have multiple dots but like they'd have like seven point something point something um and nine point oh point one to 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 designate major version uh minor version and then like a bug fix release they don't really do that anymore. They just kind of like slipstream updates all over the place. And now we've managed to make our way up to macOS Ventura, a.k.a. version 13. So what, what's interesting to me is how macOS version 13 bears almost no resemblance in any way whatsoever to macOS version 9, which technically is only separated by four version numbers. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, they. I know technically they changed the name a little bit. So the original Mac OS wasn't named Mac OS. It was the Macintosh system software, right? So when like the original Macintosh came out, it wasn't called Mac OS. It was the Macintosh system software. And over time, it eventually became the Macintosh operating system, Mac OS. And then when OS 10 came along to differentiate how fundamentally different it was to showcase how it had a lot of Unixy stuff in it, they showed they added the X to it. So it it wasn't just Mac OS 9 jumping to Mac OS 10, it was Mac OS X. And in fact, they made a point of not calling it Mac OS 
10, calling it for a while Mac OS X. But then they were making a point of only calling it Mac OS 10 and just calling the X a Roman numeral for a design decision. And then later on, they dropped the X entirely. They never really could make up their mind with version numberings. Once, once, once Apple hit version 10, uh, all everything, they just threw caution to the wind when it came to version numbering. Anyway, so Ventura comes along. And the big, big new feature for Ventura is Stage Manager, right? Is this this kind of this tool for organizing windows on the desktop. Sort of a combination of like, like uh, groupings of files. KDE has some of this stuff in the Plasma desktop where you can kind of group applications together. It's not necessarily just a workspace, but it, you can kind of consider it a workspace. Um, uh, but just kind of like groupings of windows and groupings of apps together. And uh, it actually looks kind of nice. Uh, it, it does look kind of nice. What's fascinating to me about the way Apple handles usability enhancements like Stage Manager is that, or like widgets on the desktop. Apple has released widgets on the desktop, I think three different times since Mac OS X hit. Uh, there was Dashboard, um, which was, and then there was the, 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 they bought that other program. What was that called? And, and, and there was a couple other times as well. And they keep kind of reinventing the same things they've invented for for like the last, I, I don't know, 15 years. Anyway, Stage Manager is is uh, looks like a very nice polished approach to it. And that's kind of one of the big deals with this one. And then there's also Freeform, which is uh, a standalone kind of productivity office application. It's kind of this collaborative whiteboarding tool. And actually, it looks quite nice. Uh, I haven't used it yet, but it, it looks quite nice. And the reason I haven't used it yet is because I don't <laughs> I don't have a modern Mac. Uh, I should have, I should rectify that one of these days. I should get like the lowest end like M1 whatever Mac. So I have a modern Mac to, to really like judge on. You know what I mean? Like I, I I'm a big... I'm a big believer that that if you're going to if you're going to knock something, you have to really know it. You have to really use it, right? Like like Windows. Windows is a good example. Like I know Windows very well cuz I worked at Microsoft for quite some time. But Windows but but like the current current release of Windows? I don't I don't really know Windows 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 or any of the I don't I, I don't know I don't know modern Windows. I mean, I, I I assume I know that it hasn't deviated too far from the beaten path, but there comes a certain point where I, I can't knock modern Windows anymore because I I have not spent time with it. it this got to a point uh, a couple of years back where I hadn't been using Windows for quite some time, and so I made it I made it a point where for a full month I was going to use Windows. I I want to say it was like Windows eight or or something like that. <laughs> And it was uh, an eye-opening experience for both what I could knock about it and what wasn't so bad about it. And I feel like I'm in the same position with the Macintosh now. I know, like Macintoshes up through uh, Mac OS 10 point, I don't know, 10.7, 10.8, I know inside and out, backwards and forwards. I developed uh, huge numbers of soft uh, of applications for uh, Mac OS X, uh, previous iterations of Mac OS, uh, Mac OS 9 on down. I've worked on hardware, uh, collected the hardware and software. I, mean, I know it inside and out. I know the people at Apple who worked on a lot of those projects. I mean, I know it. 
but modern macOS? Ventura? I'm, I'm kind of reliant on other people to tell me what it's like. So, so I reached out to the community. The London Journal community is amazing. And uh, I got a couple of quotes here. Microworks over in the community says, it feels like a refined experience over Monterey, the previous release. I really like the continuity camera that allows you to use your iPhone camera. That's pretty nice and practical. It also has a brand new settings interface that is closer to the iOS experience. That'll be a big change for people. Okay, so that, that's actually kind of interesting. Uh, the, added the feature so you can use your iPhone. The idea is that you you put your, your iPhone kind of right next to your your laptop there, your MacBook or whatever, and it'll detect it. And then you can wirelessly use your iPhone camera as a webcam, which is great because the iPhone has a really phenomenal front-facing and rear-facing camera. It's really it's a really great camera, right? It's a good piece of hardware. So why not why not make that the way to go for for using a really nice camera? I, I that's that's a great point. Um uh, let's see Lee Base, who is a uh, a current Mac aficionado, says installed fine on 3 Macs, Intel and Apple Silicon already ran in to the quote, how do I do something I already knew how to do <laughs> since the system preferences is completely different. Looking forward to using my iPhone as a webcam seems more responsive, but that could be a placebo effect. You know, I'm actually hearing from quite a few people that the, the new Ventura release, at least on some machines, is a bit peppier. Like, I feel like maybe Apple did a good job of of kind of uh, optimizing a bit, which, which would be great. I, I've often said, there are points throughout Apple's lifespan, and this this is true back in the macOS 7 and onward days, but especially in the macOS X forward, where they would have a release and it would get slower and bigger and more memory hungry and buggier. And then the release after that would be faster and lighter and leaner and more stable. And they, they always kind of did that. They, they, they hopped back and forth. So it seems like Ventura is one of the, one of the good versions of the cycle, you know, it's on the good end of that. Uh, so that's, that's great to hear. And I, I find it interesting that Apple is, is clearly trying to tie in Mac OS and iOS together, right? Like the new settings application replacing what had been there for, for quite some time and making it look more like what happens on the iOS. I, I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I honestly don't know. I, the, I feel like the jury's a bit out on that. Personally, I liked how it was in the the classic Mac OS days. I, I just I still do. I, I think it was a I think it was a, a great design. Uh, Dan Scott, um, who has a an absolutely fantastic Substack going on, uh, I highly recommend reading it. Um, I, he posts links every so often over on Locals. Make sure you click them. Uh, fantastic stuff. Had a couple of thoughts, and I, I, I'm quoting him a couple of times here, but he has a whole bunch more over on. Uh, over on Locals that uh, I've linked to in the notes. Go read them because uh, he's got just a whole bunch of thoughts. Everything is as it was before, but it does feel a bit faster and less clunky to me. One minor thing that I like that I doubt anyone will really notice or care about, but the About This Mac window. They went back to the simplified style that they had in earlier versions up to Mac OS Mavericks. They changed it to include more info with Yosemite. I personally like this. 
So the about this Mac window, he posted a screenshot and I, other people have screenshots up all over the place. It does. It looks more simple and that, that's nice. Um, the feature I want, uh, he continues, I was waiting for the most was stage manager. It's nice and I like it, but I wish it would show all of your open windows. Instead, it only shows your five most recent windows and hides the rest. So command tabbing is still your best bet for cycling through open windows. Running stage manager hides the desktop icons, though this can be changed in the system settings or just click the desktop. I'm not sure there's a real need for something like this, but it's a cool feature. It definitely works better on my external monitor. It just takes up too much space on the Air's little display. I'm not sure how I feel about the new system settings layout yet. It's very much like iOS now, but I think I still prefer the more traditional system preferences layout. Um, it, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it's a nice looking system. I... I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I prefer the older Macs in terms of uh, design as well. I, In fact, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I don't love the current look of like the, the window title bars and like the close and maximize buttons and whatnot. I... I, I honestly, it looks kind of tacky to me. I liked some of the older Mac OS X styles. Not all of them, not all of them. Some of them were a bit funky and I kind of wish, I kind of wish Apple would, would settle on a design. You know, there, there was something beautiful from Mac OS eight through Mac OS nine. We had dark platinum. Um, or no, we just had platinum. Dark platinum was a separate thing. Uh, we just had the platinum theme and it was gorgeous. But what was nice about it was it was a subtle refinement over the Mac OS style that really had only ever so tinyly been changed from the 1980s. And I, I, I loved that. And now here we are. And I just, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I don't know that it necessarily looks modern, but it looks really flat. Just, I don't know. I doesn't, it's pretty. It's not unpretty, but eh, eh, it's, it's not, I just don't think they made this the design for me. And also it's just, as far as I can tell, it's just not as themable as old systems used to be. And so, uh, I, I can't make it look like what I want. <laughs> I, that seems ridiculous to me. Anyway, uh, moving on, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, I do need to get my hands on an Apple Silicon, an M1 or whatever Mac, so I can really try it out. Uh, at some point, I'm going to have to break down and do that, uh, because honestly, Apple is doing some really interesting things here. Um, I don't love all of it, but I've got to admit there's some really interesting things going on, uh, especially on the hardware side. I, I got to try it out. Uh, in other news, in other operating system being released news, uh, Canonical has released Ubuntu 22.10, codenamed Kinetic Kudu. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, so the, the, the fun part is this is not a long-term support release which means it's only going to be supported for a couple months. Uh, that's not even a joke. Uh, I, I find this absolutely asinine. Uh, Canonical has a new thing where, where the majority of their releases are only supported for, what is it, six months? And then they just, or nine months? And they just abandon it. I think it's six months. And they just don't, no updates. They start killing off the repositories. It sucks. 
it really sucks. It's it's uh, it's not a great way to do to do OS releases. I've harped on it before. Uh, they, they've been doing better with their long term support releases. They've been increasing the amount of support they give those, which I appreciate. But that kind of tells me that they just don't want people using like this release because this release they're basically saying just use it for a couple months. Get it set up how you like it and then erase it. I, so which tells me it's really just for testing. It's for experimentation purposes. It's it's for Canonical to use the community at large as as a testing organization, um, which I find annoying. Um, some of the big updates, though, inside of it, the default audio server is now Pipewire instead of Pulse Audio. That's a really big deal, which has a lot of good ramifications and a lot of bad ramifications. Um, In my own personal experience, I have found Pipewire to be obscenely buggy um, to an almost comical degree, but also better in a lot of ways than Pulse Audio. It's... ugh, Ugh. There's some growing pains. There's some serious growing pains to be going on here, and I don't know that this was a good idea. I, I really don't know that this was a good idea at all uh, on so many people's parts. Um, the, this new version of Ubuntu ships with the 15.19 version of the Linux kernel, which means it is not totally up to date, which means that a lot of the new hardware support uh, for some of the newer Intel chipsets is not going to be present in the current version of Ubuntu. That is what it is. Uh, GNOME has been updated. Now, this is actually this is actually kind of good news. So they've brought GNOME up to version 43, which means GNOME is far more up to date than it has been in the past. Um, and therefore, you know, people don't have to jump through crazy hoops to get the the more more recent GNOME running. That's a good thing. Um, and a, a new Steam Snap package is available uh, on the Ubuntu software store that includes the latest versions of the Mesa drivers. So this should make compatibility a little bit better um, with some games on Steam. So that's that's a positive thing. Uh, now, here's, here's something that I find amazing. Without, the, without a single doubt, the number one complaint that people had for the last version release of Ubuntu for 22.04, the previous version, was all related in some way to Snap packaging, to Snappy. It was a various, it was a variety of different things. There was some compatibility issues. There was speed issues like application launching, launching web browsers, and browser performance, uh, memory usage, a lot of those sorts of things. There was problems printing uh, because. <laughs> problems like you couldn't print from your web browser because it was inside of a snap package and getting that working was a major pain there was lots and lots of bugs and so in general people had poorer hardware support poor printing support their system ran slower it used up way more ram and there was a lot more bugs and it was all related to snap packaging and canonical admitted that there were problems and they were they they made a big point about how over the coming months, and this was back uh, in April, May, and June of this year, how over the coming months they were going to be, uh, you know, working hard, and they felt like they could quickly see some significant improvements. That said, I've linked to the complete release notes, right? Not the press package, but the the full detailed changelog release notes that Canonical supplied for this for this release. 
it does not use or mention the word snap one time. Not once. So they never once talked about any changes or fixes in any significant way of their most dire needed issues related to Ubuntu. That to me tells me directly, and that, that also means, because you know everything's been revved up, right? There's been new new updates to snap packages and everything that they would have liked to have mentioned. But that tells me that they haven't been able to accomplish the improvements. Because if they did get significant performance improvements to Snappy to actually happen, like they said were going to happen, they'd be shouting it from the rooftops. I know Mark Shuttleworth would have done that. He would have gotten up on top of the mountain. He'd have climbed the ladder to the space station <laughs> and from outer space shouted, it's faster to run snappy apps now. Whoa, whoa. And but he didn't do that. So there you have it. <laughs> I, I will not be grabbing this release. I, I'm just going to skip it. It's not worth my time. Uh, I'm looking at it. And that's not to say if you're an Ubuntu user, and you are doing the regular every six-month update cycle, it's probably worth grabbing just for the GNOME 43 update. So if you are using it, I, I would recommend going for that, uh, just for that the, the updated version of GNOME, because they, they did some significant fixes and updates in, in GNOME 43 that are worthwhile there. Um, and you'll probably end up with, because of that update, you'll probably end up with a slightly snappier, <laughs> pun not intended, but a slightly peppier system than you had with 2204. Uh, so I, I would recommend moving to it. But for me, since I don't regularly use Ubuntu right now, I, I'm just not gonna. I'm just, I'm just gonna skip it. I'm just gonna skip it. Um, ooh, 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 oh, 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 this news. Okay, so I don't know if uh, how many of you have, have been following this saga. So Microsoft is officially looking at changing the way that Linux boots and wants to require TPM 2.0 for the Linux boot process. This is not a joke. So Microsoft engineer Leonard Pottering, um, who is the guy behind System D. Yeah. Boo! <laughs> No, no, don't don't boo him. Don't boo him. I just don't like System D. <laughs> he's, a, he's a very talented engineer. Don't boo him. But I really don't like System D. Anyway, he works at Microsoft now, right? That happened sometime back. I, I covered it because, yeah. Um, but he wrote a blog post where he goes into this, this brave new world of trusted boot, as he calls it, where he talks about intertwining the Linux, the entire Linux boot process with TPM 2.0, Trusted Platform Module. Now, now for those of you who are like sitting here going, wait a minute, what? You may remember that the most recent version of Microsoft Windows requires TPM 2.0. So, and that, that is a hardware module combined with a, a firmware on it. If you do not have that hardware module, regardless of whether or not your computer is well beyond specifications, is as powerful enough to run multiple copies of the most recent version of Windows. It does not matter. You cannot run it, or at least you're not supposed to be able to, unless you have TPM 2.0. Now, who created TPM, the Trusted Platform Module? Microsoft did. 
They invented it. They defined it. I, I linked to their GitHub page where they keep where they store the specification of it. And they they make a very detailed proposal about how they want to see Linux boot be modified, the entire boot process be standardized around requiring TPM. It's not a joke. Now, a lot of you may be saying, well, that's not going to happen because they're Microsoft. They don't get to control Linux. Aha, they kind of do because people, so most Linux distributions are now using system D as one of the big initialization procedures. And that is one of the more critical parts of the Linux boot process. Who is, who created system D? Leonard Potering. Where does he work? Microsoft. Who pays huge amounts of money to the Linux foundation every year in order to have seats on their board of directors? Microsoft. Ergo, who, at least in large part, pays the salary of Linus? Microsoft. They send money to the Linux Foundation. Linux Foundation pays the salary of Linus. That's how this works. So, here we are. We are making, we are at a position where, where we are about to and this is most likely going to move this way unless there is significant blowback. Just watch. <laughs> we are in a position where the Linux boot process over the coming couple years, it's going to take a little bit of time, is going to shift to require a Microsoft designed and controlled chip on your computer. That's not a conspiracy theory. That is their stated objective. And Microsoft right now is one of the companies paying the bills. So it's probably going to happen. Embrace. Extend. <coughs> the other thing. <coughs> in other news, in other news of chipsets that Linux may not may not support going may not boot on going forward, uh, Linus Torvalds took to the Linux kernel mailing list to say the following: "Quote, we got rid of i386 support back in 2012. Maybe it's time to get rid of i486 support in 2022." Okay, so this did happen back 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 ten years ago. They got rid of 386 support, and I I bemoaned it. I wrote articles about it for Network World. I did podcasts about it. I, I thought that was just terrible. I mean, I understood. I understand not wanting to continue to support hardware that many people don't use, that they consider to be legacy. But I I still hate it. I hate it so much. Anyway, uh, so he's now saying, oh, 486 support, right? Get rid of that. So then Linus follows it up. In another email, uh, I think it was about two days later, a day later, something like that. Uh, also the Linux kernel mailing list where he says this, quote, so I really don't think I486 class hardware is relevant anymore. Oh, no, Linus, you did not just say that. Oh, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. I had to continue this quote. Quote. Yes, I'm sure it exists, but from a kernel development standpoint, I don't think they are really relevant. At some point, people have them as museum pieces. They might as well run museum kernels. Oh, brutal. So there are 486s shipping. 
right now and 486-based processor shipping. You know who ships a 486 in every in every Intel PC? Intel. Right now, the Intel management engine, the IME, is a 486. I don't know if people realize that. Inside of every Core i9 processor is an Intel 486 processor running independently. There are more 486s running today on, on Intel desktops than any other CPU on the planet. <laughs> I don't know if people realize that. Um, and so we want to, we just want to take out Linux support for that. It's fine. That's fine. I mean, I know we don't run Linux on that. I know I mean, I know it runs Minix, uh, which Minix still supports 46, so it's fine. But uh, just the same. I, I everyone everyone realizes that as well, right? You all of all of your your i9 i7 CPUs are running Minix that you don't have access to. Anyway, uh, grumble, 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 grumble. <laughs> Sorry. So Linus, if you're if you're hearing this, don't don't get rid of 486 support. Come on, man. It was bad enough we got rid of the 386 stuff, but get rid of 486. That's just that's just annoying. I I understand why they wouldn't want to support it anymore, right? Because as long as you the more CPU architectures you support, the more difficult it is to add new features and to support and bug fix for other architectures, right? It, it, that's just the way it is. It, it just absolutely is because there is, you eventually have to code to a, a certain common denominator. And when there are significant CPU features in say an i9 that did not exist in a 486, and you get to a point where everyone's starting to rely on those newer features, well, then you have to make a choice. Do you use the new features and the newer chipsets and lose support or or have worse support for an older chipset like the 486? Or do you code to more of the lowest standard denominator? Well, I know what choice I would make. Uh, but then again, uh, <laughs> maybe it's a good thing I'm, I'm not in charge. Uh, Microsoft. Other news. Microsoft is now shipping a ARM computer not a tablet but an actual desktop computer running windows an arm version of windows this is this is this is quote um what do they call it the windows dev kit 2023 and it looks nice honestly you know what it looks like it looks like an all black squashed mac mini is what it looks like or it looks it kind of looks like an apple tv like design wise it's real simple i mean I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know how many different designs you could do with this, but if you change the little Windows logo that's on the on the top center, it's this little black squashed Mac mini looking machine. If you change that to an Apple, it would look like an Apple TV, basically. Uh, but it is a $600 computer with a uh, Gen 3 8CX Snapdragon CPU, little ARM CPU, 32 gigs of RAM, not too shabby, uh, half a terabyte NVMe drive, uh, and it just looks, it looks great. And they're, they're selling you one right now, 600 bucks. And what's cool about this, I think, is not just that it runs an ARM version of Windows, but that Microsoft has built ARM native versions 
of a whole bunch of their software for it, including a like kind of like a, a test version of a uh, sort of beta-ish version of Visual Studio, not Visual Studio Code, but full Visual Studio for ARM, as well as Microsoft 365. Now, they say Microsoft 365 for ARM, but that includes a lot of applications. So are the, and, and recently, they renamed Office to Microsoft 365. So are they saying Microsoft Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and all that? are ARM native and running on this ARM box? If so, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, also, it runs Windows subsystem for Linux 2, WSL 2, which means you can do all your Linuxy stuff on a Windows machine running on an ARM CPU. That's kind of cool. I'm, I'm sorry, that's cool. Like, I... I'm not. I'm clearly not going to be buying one of these, right? I, I'm not the target demo for this. Um, I I don't do Windows development specifically, but honestly, that's kind of neat. I'd be very curious to see what the performance is on a machine like this on the six hundred dollars Windows six hundred dollar Windows Dev Kit twenty twenty three, right? To see not just how well Windows runs, but how does how do Linux applications run? I mean, how well do they perform in WSL2 running on Windows, running on ARM? How well uh, does, you know, Office run, right? And PowerPoint and Excel and all that. Let's let's load up a whole bunch of Excel macros if indeed Microsoft 365 support means that it, uh, the full version of Office is available on this, which, I mean, it's what they say. I don't see any screenshots of it, though, and I feel like they would apply, supply screenshots, but they say flat out full Microsoft 365 here, which, according to them, includes Word and Excel and everything. But let's load that up with a bunch of macros and run some performance tests, you know? Really see how, how Windows on an ARM stacks up nowadays. It's kind of a fascinating idea. I really think it's interesting. I, again, I'm not the target market for this, clearly, but I think it's cool. And I also find it interesting that now you've got both Microsoft and Apple shipping what appear to be pretty high-performance ARM-based computers for some, for not, not an arm and a leg, right? I mean, 600 bucks, that's not, that's not bad for a 32 gigs of RAM and a half terabyte NVMe drive and all that sort of, I mean, that's not bad. I, I'm, I'm curious, I'd be curious to see what the performance is of one of these machines when compared to, say, an M1 Mac Mini. I mean, I would expect the Mac Mini to pounce it. Because it's a more of a shipping consumer product. It's had more time to bake. Um, I, I feel like Apple's invested more into it. But I'd be curious to see what the performance difference is. You know what I mean? Like, I'd, I'd be genuinely curious. I am intrigued. I am intrigued. I'd also would love to see what the performance difference is in benchmarking applications running under Linux in WSL2 under Windows on ARM on this dev kit versus a comparable, highly specced out ARM PC running just pure Debian or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would be curious to see what the what the performance difference is with the various kernels and the different hardware support out there. Uh, it, anyway, I, I think it's 
it's kind of a fascinating time to be alive right now. Like this is, there's a lot of good and a lot of, uh, and a lot of, Oh no, <laughs> it's all happening all at once. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? Right? Oh, it's a fun time. It's a fun time to be alive. Anyway, thank you everyone for hanging out with me. Uh, thank you to everyone in the Lunduke Journal community, all the subscribers, all the people hanging out over on Locals at lunduke.locals.com. Thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart for, for all the support, and thank you for just being so cool to hang out with all the time. And uh, to all of you who don't currently subscribe, go over, click on all the buttons. There's buttons up there, and there's buttons over there, and there's buttons all over. They have universal resource locators in them. You want to click them and subscribe on them because there's stuff happening coming up pretty soon. Um, and it's just a reminder, we've got a couple of fun things happening in November. November is a killer time. Uh, so we've got, uh, starting, starting in November, I believe it is on November... 12th hold on hold on i gotta double check my dates here i just make sure i i don't provide you with the false informations um on uh november no not december did i say december november 11th november 11th begins the lunduk journal video interview series for those of you who have been around a long time you'll remember that i used to interview a lot of people uh, I, I I might have interviewed some great, great guests. Uh, it's been all over the Mac, Brand, Matt, Brendan Ike, Richard Stallman, the, the, the whole works, the whole kit and caboodle. And I haven't really interviewed people for the last two years. And I miss it. And the reason I haven't is for mostly logistical reasons. You know, I've been I've been traveling on the road constantly and it just hasn't made sense. And so I, a lot of things have had to fall into place in order to really commit myself again to doing regular interviews. I wanted to do them right. I needed to get my hardware set up right. I needed to get studio space secured. I needed to have my, my travel all figured out. I had to have some scheduling things worked out and ironed out. I needed to have a plan for it. Well, now everything's been in place. It's been in the works for ever it feels like and it's finally happening so on november 11th that's friday november 11th kicks off the video interview series and then uh on fridays thereafter will be a new interview uh where i sit down and talk with someone in the computer world that is interesting or historically significant or fascinating or fun or contentious or exciting or something 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 exciting something fun because computers should be fun. And I want to talk to people about it. I've got a bunch of guests lined up. Um, I, I wanted to make sure I had everyone lined up and in place before I kind of committed to this on the schedule. And now it's that place. It, a lot of you will have looked at the schedule over the last, uh, you know, you know, month or two and said, wow, Lunduk, you have literally nothing happening on Fridays. Like you keep setting up things for other days, but you haven't said anything for Fridays. Why is that? Because Fridays has been a placeholder until now, I've, right? We called it Wild Card Fridays, where I could just post whatever I want, and so I would just post random articles or videos or something on Fridays, because it was just I was biding my time because I knew that that's where the interview show went. A lot of you may remember I used to do a show called the Lunduk Hour or the Lunduk Show, and uh, and we did lots and lots of interviews back then. Think of this like that but way fancier and and better better planned 
<laughs> anyway, I'm really looking forward to it. The, the guests we've got lined up are fantastic. So that starts on November 11th. Uh, I'm not going to announce the guests yet. Uh, which is really hard for me um, because I am terrible. I, I always like I, I always announce things too early. I, I, I like I almost I get an idea and I want to share it with the world. With this, uh, I've been working with a couple other people and that will become apparent why later. But everyone has been kind of holding me down on this one. I, I, I'm not going to announce the guests until we get closer. I'm going to build the hype train around this one because it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for me, and it's very, very exciting. I think you're all going to love it. It hits on the 11th. And then on the day after that, oh, doggy, the day after that, Saturday, November 12th, we're going to do Mac OS Sucks. It's a live event. Uh, just like we did with Linux sucks early in this year, uh, it is Mac OS sucks. People have asked me to do it half jokingly. People have asked me to do a Mac OS sucks forever. Um, and, uh, I did a windows is awesome one year. <laughs> that was fun. Um, and, uh, but this year we're finally doing it. I've, I've collected together enough stuff that I finally feel like I've got not just something to say, but a huge amount of material that I, I think it will be extremely entertaining. I think I think Mac and Apple diehards will love it. I think people who hate Apple and Macintoshes will love it. <laughs> I think I think I think everyone's gonna get a kick out of it. So that's gonna be happening on uh, Saturday, November twelfth. Now, both of those things are occurring during Haiku Week. So November, I believe it's the 9th, Wednesday, November 9th, we kick off Haiku Week, which is just a week within the Lunduk Journal community where me and a lot of other people are going to be using the Haiku operating system a whole bunch, talking about it writing articles about it, posting screenshots of what we're doing with it, uh, trying to install it on hardware, putting it in virtual machines, kicking around, uh, trying new software out, just really immersing ourselves in the latest release of Haiku, which hopefully will be Beta 4 if Beta 4 is out in time. We'll, we'll keep a close watch on that one. It looks like it's going to be really close. But very, very exciting. So a lot of stuff happening in November. Um, uh, uh, all of those things are only for full subscribers to the Lunduk Journal. Uh, you're going to want to make sure you have uh, Locals access. So lunduk.locals.com. Uh, either subscribe there directly or grab the founding member or lifetime subscriptions because those come with the, the complimentary Locals access. That'll get you all the, all the stuff for Haiku Week. And then any any subscription level will do just fine for the video interview series and for macOS sucks. Uh, everyone will get will get URLs and and all the information so you can live stream that and watch those videos after the fact, uh, and you can all really enjoy that one out. All right, uh, that is it. I hope everyone's having a great time. I know I am, and I will see all of you guys a little later. <laughs>